Welcome to the Blue Collar University podcast, where we talk about issues that matter to leaders, managers, and supervisors. I'm your host, Bart Gregg, and before we get started, it would be great if you would follow us. This is the first of a series of articles and podcasts that answer the question, how do you figure out what a manager or supervisor needs help with in order to be successful? It might be helpful to read the article or listen to the podcast titled, What's the One Thing? that will improve employee performance to get more context of the conversation. Helping a manager or supervisor can be more challenging than helping a tradesperson. If you're watching an electrician, a pipe fitter, or a carpenter, then you know you can observe their actions and pinpoint any issues. For instance, if a carpenter isn't using a hammer correctly, or if a welder is trying to save acetylene but taking more time to make a cut, and their cut is ragged because of that, you can see what's happening and help them to fix it. But figuring out how to help a struggling manager is a bit different. We all struggle with something in our personal and professional lives. Some struggles are not that big a deal. We can continue to fight it or just let it go. Like me trying to play basketball in my teens. No point in wasting energy or time on that, so I had to let it go. It wasn't that the game wasn't important to me. It was. It was just that I had grown too fast and hadn't developed the coordination. At the age of 14, I was wearing shoes so big you could use them as a snowboard. But there are areas in our lives where we feel a passion for the activity, that thing we love doing, but maybe we start out sucking at it, like driving a car. We want the results, we want the road trip, and we want the camping and the fishing at the end of the road trip. We start off with lurches, dents, and dings, and then we get better, but sometimes we need help understanding what helps us get better. We want the results of the road trip again, a feeling of time well spent and accomplishment. We want to catch, not just fish. We want a strike or a spare, not just to roll the bowling ball down the lane. We want a golf below par, as if par is average. Par is anything but average for the average golfer, but it's the idea that keeps us coming back like that one great golf swing. We want the win, not just to race. And then there's being a manager or supervisor. Everyone wants to be a manager until they are one. We get the promotion and it's like, WTF, they never told me this is what it would be like. Often in our pursuit of happiness and our race to win, we struggle. And we don't know what it is that's causing the struggle or how to fix it. We need some help to figure out why we might be failing at a task. This may include a hobby or a honeydew at home, or a have-to-do at work. In the article and podcast I referred to at the beginning, I talk about struggling with sliding sideways off my horse. It took almost two years to fix it. With my limited knowledge and my limited perspective, I couldn't figure it out on my own. It took an outside observer to help me solve the problem. I also struggled for many years as a manager. I was failing in place as so many managers do. I had the title the position, and even the office, but not the skill set to survive and flourish as a leader. I struggled until my boss gave me some insights into why and some tools to help me work on them. When we're struggling with something, we may not be totally aware of it. We may simply say to ourselves, life is hard, get over yourself. And sometimes the unawareness is simply a product of our culture. We do it that way because that's the way it's always been done. We do it that way because everyone we know did it that way, and it's wrong, but they didn't figure it out either. 
A great example of this is the my way or the highway method of leadership. But if we don't know that we don't have to struggle, if we don't know there's another way, we don't stop and think about the possibility of fixing it or how to fix it. So maybe we don't even know we need to fix something. It's like having chronic pain for so long we just deal with it. We accept it as part of our lives. Then one day we go to the chiropractor and with one simple tweak, bam, we're all fixed. At that point, we realize we didn't know how much pain we were in until we got better. It's the same thing with being a manager or supervisor and struggling with something. That's why we need help. That help often comes from an outside observer like a writing instructor, a chiropractor, a boss, a book, a coach, or a mentor. If you're a leader, you are that outside observer. When you see a team member or an employee struggling, how do you know exactly what they need help with? How do you figure out what the one thing is that will help them be successful? In this episode, we're going to talk about the first method, which may seem obvious, but for some reason is often overlooked, and it's not quite as simple as it sounds. If you want to know what your manager or supervisor is struggling with, just ask them. But, as usual, there's more to it than just asking the question, hey, what do you need help with? To increase the odds that your observations that they're struggling and need help will be taken the right way, there are three things you might want to consider. Even though you know they need help, they have to admit it to themselves first, and then they have to feel safe enough with you to be willing to admit that they do need the help, especially when they have to admit it to a coworker or a boss. And since we're talking about managers and supervisors here, that may be a little more difficult to get them to admit. Why? Simply because you put them in the position in their mind, they're supposed to already know what to do. The first thing you need to know is content and context. What will you ask? You have to ask questions that will give you information and give the employee insight into what they're struggling with. Simply asking questions that can be answered yes or no rarely get you closer to the information you need. Here's an example. With one of my clients, we were having a conversation about their struggles at work. I had started this conversation by talking about the fact that I ask a lot of questions to help them think and not to put them on the spot. Two of the questions were, what are your coworkers saying and what are your bosses saying? Eventually, he told me that one of the things they're consistently asking him was about not getting back to people. Why don't you return my phone calls, my texts, my emails, whatever? Why don't you return the customer's phone calls and emails? I asked him, why don't you return the messages? And he said, I really don't like talking to people. They just need to trust me that when they give me something to do, I will do it. But that's not the way the real world works. It's better if you ask questions that cause the person to stop and think and have them describe what they're struggling with. Then you have a starting place to help them. The second thing is technique. How will you ask them? This includes not only the method you'll use, such as texting a phone call, being in person or by email, it also includes your body language and tone of voice. Asking in person is the best method. Having an in-person conversation with them allows you and they to create an understanding of the situation and help them admit they need help. The person you're trying to help may feel like you're putting them on the spot, but you can reduce that feeling by adjusting the way you ask and the words that you use and your body language. For instance, when I start a consulting or advising job, I interview each person on the team individually. This means I ask a lot of questions. But again, I preface that work by saying to them, I know that people often feel like they're being put on the spot when they're being asked questions. 
This is not the case here. If at any point you feel like you're being pressured or may not have an answer to a question right now, that's fine. Just tell me and we can work with that. Point number three, timing is everything. When do you ask? The worst time to ask is when you're doing an annual review. Most managers have heard that this is when you should ask the question, or they've had it asked of them. They ask something like, what can the company do to help you, or what can I do to help you? But to the employee, it feels like a throwaway question. That may not be rational, but that's what it feels like. It's an idea that isn't going to be taken seriously. And by that point in the review, the employees I've talked to feel that asking for help would make them look weaker than the review has already made them feel. This happens because by the end of the review, the employee is feeling emotionally overwhelmed. During and after reviews, it's human nature to focus on the negative feedback, even if the review is a good one overall. It's just human nature. So asking the question at the end of the employee's annual review is not a good time at all. When is a good time to ask a manager or employee what they're struggling with? The best time to ask them about their struggles is as close as possible to the time frame that you observed it. It's not always best to do it in the moment because when they're struggling, they're stressed and their reactions can be, well, unpredictable. If possible, give them time to relax and then have a conversation with them. If you have to step in at the moment you see the struggle, maybe because of a safety issue or their part is critical to the success of a project, then do so. But again, be aware of how you do that. As always, remember that safety begins with leadership. That's significant here because as you have the conversation, you have to develop the relationship so that they feel safe enough to open up to you and tell you the truth. Here's your pro tip. Before anyone opens up to you, they need three things. They need to be able to admit to themselves that they are struggling and need outside help. They need to believe that they are safe in admitting that they are struggling and won't lose their job. And they need to know that you have their back and won't shame or embarrass them. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blue Collar University podcast. If you have an idea for a topic, or if you know of a person that might be a great guest, then please email me at podcasts at bluecollaru.com. Until next episode.